This is Paul Moody, and you're listening to Fulham Focused Podcast. Fulham at Craven Cottage, under the lights. You can't beat it, can you? Well, especially if you're Steve Cooper, which might bring his night games at the cottage to an end for a little while. We're going to be looking at many things tonight. We've got lots to talk about. We're all a bit, well, frankly, we're all a bit delighted about this evening's results. And we're going to be talking about wonderful evenings in the under the lights of the cottage. I've got the North American contingent with me on duty tonight. Don and Baldo are joining me. I'm Boney, and this is a very happy Fulham focused podcast. Fulham. Gentlemen, it's always nice getting together right after we've win because we can put the dread of the day. Well, I can put the dread of the day behind me because I'm going to bed after this. You guys still have an evening to go through. Baldo, how are you doing, sir? How are you feeling after that result? I'm good. You're talking about the dread of the day. I think this means we can talk. We don't have to talk about the dread of Liverpool again either. <laughs> I, mean, th- I mean, thankfully, this was a, a win. You know, a win to lift our spirits and everything. Because imagine if we'd have lost tonight and have to talk about not only the loss to Liverpool, which you can understand, but then then a loss to a you know, relegation candidate in Nottingham Forest. So thank, so thank the Lord we had to just brush the Liverpool controversy and everything like that aside. We'll get to the Liverpool controversy in a minute. <laughs> Producer Don, how are you, sir? You're you're suitably attired. I, uh, for the listeners, uh, just so they know uh, what what he's talking about, I'm wearing a uh, Fulham cap uh, that I've had for several, several years. Um, oh, my God, what a performance. And, and what a great way to help our goal differential, because, you know, that could be a key going forward with our positioning as it's just so tight, you know, throughout the whole table. So fantastic night. We're going to get onto this, but I think, the this sort of performance has been coming. These are the teams we need to beat. The stars aligned this evening, but my little WhatsApp group of well, our WhatsApp group of doom is quite happy this evening. And um, Sam reminds us that this is the first time in the top flight since 1966 that Fulham have scored three or more goals in consecutive games. And as one of the elder statesmen of this group, that's even longer than I've been going to see Fulham. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Things are looking tidy because, of course, 3-2 against Wolves, that game on Sunday, and tonight's massive 5-0 win. So I think we're looking all right. But let's let's crack on because we didn't do a show right after the Liverpool game because it, December's fast and furious. We've got five games this month. Baldo, just to go to you, What's your feelings about Liverpool? I, I'm kind of over it. You get beat by a bunch of worldies. These sort of things happen. Yeah, I think that's the, the, the attitude you have to take is, you know, we got beaten by, as you say, a bunch of worldies. Is there, you know, you just have to hold your hands up. And yeah, whilst it's frustrating that we had the 3-2 lead going in late and, you know, your rollercoaster of emotions are going on, you know, you think, oh, we could, you know, you start the game, you think Liverpool away, we're probably going to lose. Then as the game sort of goes on, you think, oh, we could we, we could nick a point here. They say, oh, we can get a win. Oh, we, yeah, we'll still probably hold out for a point. Then we Just a rollercoaster formation. But the fact that we lost with four incredible goals, in a sense, sort of takes the sting out of it. Because I'd rather lose to four of them than you know, two dodgy penalties, one handball that was missed and an own goal. 
for instance. So the fact that we lost in the in the way we did, you know, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. And the fact that we, as you said, managed to score three at Anfield, which I think that was the first time we've scored more than one at Anfield in whatever. I can't remember what the exact stat was. So again, showing that we do have, we're starting to develop um, in the attacking sense, which I know was a lot of people's fears um, at early points of the season. But now, you know, three, you know, three goals, three goals, and now five goals tonight. Um, just shows that we're finally starting to click in, in you know, one way or another. Don, what's what's your feeling after Liverpool? I, I I know we can look back at it with sort of rose tinted glasses now, but what what's what's your memories of Sunday? You know, it, it's like Matt said, it, it's a roller coaster of emotions: up, down, up, down. Shocked when we scored one, heart about to explode when we scored two, and uh, definitely was looking probably to call the doctor on the third one because I figured I was definitely having a heart attack. But, uh, you know, it, it, for me, the force erased everything. T t tonight erased everything. But for me, it was those last minutes of the game that were so frustrating. You know, we, we kind of fell apart on, on our defending. But in the end, what really irritated me was, I'm sorry, I, I know this is bitterness, whatever people want to say, get over it. It was the foul, the, the Liverpool player going through the back of Bobby, not not looking at the ball whatsoever, anywhere else on the pitch, that, that's a foul and would have been called. And people can say, well, he wasn't uh, strong enough, his, the header, blah, 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 that he, whatever. It led to the goal that ultimately won. So I am bitter about that. I think it was complete bullshit. But we play in one of the top, team so you know Fulham never going to get the call in my mind so at any rate no, rant I, over no no I think that's that's perfectly valid it's yeah for, for me it was after we took the lead we, t we seemed to take a step back which which worried me a little bit and when we were pressing we had the upper hand and I think that's that that was the bit that sort of annoyed me at the time and my takeaway from it was you know people saying we're tired and things like that you're winning at Anfield boys you know the, come on bit of adrenaline keep it going it was only what 10 minutes left yeah i, I will say there, there were a lot of positives out of that game and and there have been some real great positives out of our last three games now including this tonight's game against force number one we came out fast and really played hard you know which we rarely do so it was awesome to see that um you know the, the other thing was th th there was a lot of fight throughout the entire game. You're right. In the second half, we kind of backed off and that's what kind of brought everything back in. But I will say, and we can get to this, I did not see that kind of start tonight against Forrest. We didn't have that same tempo. We didn't have that same energy. So I'm glad we got the performance we did tonight, but I'd rather see the kind of start that we did against Liverpool. A lot faster pace, a lot quicker movement, you know, just really going at them. So... I thought that was a great positive to take from Liverpool was how fast we started. The performances have been trending the right way, haven't they, Baldo? So, you know, even even losing at Anfield, which is not normally a, a thing that you get too worked up about, but things have been trending right. They've, they've come good here this evening. Um, but what, what was your sort of positive takeaways from, from Liverpool? Because I'm, I'm being the negative Nelly here and complaining about the last 10 minutes, but for the previous 80, they were fantastic. Well, my thoughts coming coming out of Liverpool were, okay, if Raul Jimenez isn't going to be scoring the goals. I mean, again, this was my reaction on Sunday, so I just want to put that into context. Is if the goals aren't going to come from Raul Jimenez, then we need to start looking for where the goals are going to come 
you know, going to come elsewhere. So the fact that we got, you know, the goals from the, the source of it very nearly got another one from Tim Ream, if he just timed his run a little bit better. Um, yeah, just that was my thing of, right, if this is the way it's going to go, okay, we're going to need to have other people contributing. And look, we've seen we can get these goals from all the, from all these different areas. So that was that was my positive that if Raul, if Raul isn't going to be the man that we thought he could be, then then we'll just have to sort of deal with it and let the other guys pick up the slack. And then obviously fast forward to fast forward to denying that shut up that that completely well. But again, that's that's the other positive is okay, we're getting these goals from other areas, and now if Raul Jimenez can step up, then we're sort of gravy in that situation. I'm just going to remind our dear listener that I have been saying for a while, he will come good. <laughs> so there we go. Even if it's just the, the, the thing, is, well, he's up to three now. So yeah, that's three more than he's got in the last age of forever. Um, I think coming out of that game on Sunday, there was concern looking ahead. And we're, we're going to talk about a few other bits and pieces before we get to time for us. But I think... Boulder, just from general conversations that we've been having in the groups and things, it wasn't particularly negative, I felt. Everyone was complaining that, yeah, we got beat in the last minute, they gave up some worldies and things. But the mood I tend to sort of gauge Fulham on is our crazy group chat. It's been trending like the team in the right direction. I think even even Morgs is getting a little bit more positive about things. Yeah, I don't know if maybe there's just, I mean, this is certainly my take on it, is that I've always just, well, ever since the summer, there's just been an air of resignation about it of, okay, this is just going to be a summer of, or a year of treading water, as it were. You know, if if these were the performances and this was what would gone on after last season with Mitrovic, you know, still in tow and everything, then you think, okay, this is a team that's really struggling, we need to start doing everything. But after the summer, it was just a case of, right, okay, we know we're gonna have a we know we're gonna have a final hand. So if we have to finish sixteenth, then so be it. So though it's not like we're saying we were having these aims after this you know, after the summer window. Because again, people may have thought after last season, okay, we could push on, we can maybe try and grab seventh or eighth or something. But then after the summer everything just everyone reassesses their ambitions. So the fact that we are in this situation okay, so long as we're not dragged into a relegation battle which, you know, a night like tonight, if you know, Forrester picked up the win, I think would have dragged us right into it. But if we can just keep ticking along, keep, you know, give decent performances every now and again, then that's fine. This is a year, again, for just treading water. So as long as we're not embarrassing ourselves and losing, you no know, three or four nil every week, you know, circa 18, 19 and 2021, um, then I think that's that's pretty fine. Again, our expectation just been dra- dragged down so low that, and stuff like this just isn't just isn't going to bother us because we feel again and part of it maybe because we feel again back to the relegation battle if we've got the likes of Sheffield United, Burnley, and all that lot struggling, they're not going to catch us. Then yeah, we can afford the odd slip up now and again and and still be fine. How are you feeling, Don? You know, I I I think what Matt said makes a lot of sense, and there's a lot to be had for how people have been feeling throughout this season. You know, we started out with, oh crap, how's this gonna go? To, oh shit, we're down at the bottom. To, oh, okay, this is actually starting to come come together. This is starting to click. We're, we're starting to get some performances. We're starting to get some results. 
maybe we won't be as bad off as we thought going into January. And then if we have a good January window, we bring in some support, some decent players, hopefully awesome players. We could probably look at mid-table maybe even. Fingers crossed, you know, hopes and prayers going out uh, and all that. Uh, we, we could have a better season than what I think a lot of us thought, at least at, at a better position at the end than what I thought. I really thought we'd be more like around 15th or so. Um, I didn't think we'd necessarily be in a relegation battle, although <laughs> that thought was starting to creep in uh, there for a while. So I think right now we're looking okay. Right now after tonight's performance, we're looking pretty damn good. I, I, I have to agree. I, I think it's the last three have been games have been a lot of good positive signs and it was starting to see players come back as well. Tese's back. Tosin was back tonight. Um, you know, getting Balotori on for, for some minutes this evening as well. I think we're starting to see things heading in the right direction. And of course, Raul scoring. So, hey, we don't need we don't need a striker in January now, do we? Um we're going to leave the Liverpool chat there because we're all sort of starting to trend towards this evening and, and looking forward. But before we do so, we're going to be looking back because if you've been noticing on our socials, we've been doing a sort of favourite in focus. And this evening, as it's a night under the lights at Craven Cottage, we've been asking you dear people out there in social media world for your favourite night matches at Craven Cottage. And... Sam's very kindly compiled a list for me. Of course, the Juve game is coming up top of the list there. I got to the train station with a fever of 101, and then I threw up and went home, so I did not get to that game. And I still think I should have just gone to the bloody game. But let's see what we've got here. Um, Matt Walker, Juventus is simply the only answer. Okay. Greatest result in our history. Aaron Williams was saying nothing ever compared to Juventus. The atmosphere, the feeling, the passion. Uh, Darren Ward, Juventus by a mile. Best night of my life. I feel sorry for you, Darren. <laughs> sorry, mate. Um, of course, then, two weeks later was Hamburg, and that's come up quite a bit as well. Um, HK of Guildford's singing Stand Up If You Still Believe in the Celebrations, then Home for Peter Dury's Comberg com Commentary. Yeah, Hamburg were holds the final. Fulham will play in it. So old old man Thames has never seen the like. It, it wonderful, wonderful evening. A uh, bit more recent history. We've got quite a few as well for the Derby Championship playoff game, which was fantastic fun. Adoy's goal. Um, Anthony King bring that up, saying, "No, we had a debt Wembley ahead of us after winning that game and running on the pitch to celebrate." Yes, good times, good times. Chelsea. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Funnily enough, that was the only the second Fulham game my wife has ever seen Fulham win. So yeah, Wembley and Chelsea. Uh, let's just scroll down. Let's go. Let's go old school here. Um, Will Guard is going back to Cambridge Division Three three nil win, um, October nineteen ninety six. Cambridge in the Mickey Adams promotion year. First time we smelt promotion after fifteen years of total wank, and nearly died completely. Two right. Um, and then Lincoln in Division 3, May 1982, Roger Brown's header um, holding off the point that sealed promotion. Nick Potts just saying it was a great night. Robert Wilson watching the best night game would be Juventus, but playing in it has to be Lincoln. There we go. Um, we got some odd ones for draws against Liverpool in the League Cup back in the day. But let's throw it up into here. Oh, here we go. Right down the bottom. Sam snuck this one in. 2-1 win against Santos in March 1973. 
Colin Nash and Kevin Condon, the great Pele scored, um, scored a penalty, and we went on to win. Pele who? There we go. Gents, what about you guys? I I have my favorite, but Baldo. Um, yeah, I think the obvious one just would come from the Europa League nights. Again, I was you know, blessed to see every single one of those in the first first Europa League. Right, you know, you you can't knock Juventus, you can't knock Hamburg. So those are those are the obvious ones. I think who you know the people who have sent them in have given some great you know some ones that I didn't think of. Um, the Derby one obviously was was pretty great. Um, so if I had to pick it, if I had to pick another one, because again, those are the obvious ones. I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go for a serious one and a funny one. The serious one, because I'm pretty sure the floodlights must have been on, was the win against Chelsea in 2006. Because that was the time where I genuinely never thought, you know, growing up in the money disparity, I never thought we'd ever beat Chelsea just because of the gap of how far away they were. So for us to go and beat in the way that we did and rattling Jose Mourinho in the process... Because I think we, he had to make two subs within half an hour because he said, right, this minutes, isn't yeah. working. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something's not right. There was a disallowed goal for, I think, I think Drogba, I think it was, uh, uh, handled the ball or something. There was a disallowed goal. Just that was just an absolutely fantastic, you know, that was a, that was a Sunday afternoon, four o'clock Sky game. That was just brilliant. And then, you know, everyone mentions Derby, the pitch invasion afterwards was, was fantastic. So if I had to go for one that hasn't been mentioned... I will say that. And then my fun one, because I was pretty sure I was one of the 100 or so that was there that night, uh, was the FA Youth Cup in 2010-11. We beat West Brom 6-4 in extra time. That was, because I think that was that was the day where, I think if you were a season ticket holder, you got in for cheaper or free. So I think I paid like three quid to get in and I got 10 goals. It was absolutely fantastic. Freezing night, but the entertainment value was, was, was up there. So if I had to give my two answers, it would be those two. Uh, those are the non-obvious ones, just just for clarification. Like it would obviously be Juventus, but these ones haven't been said. That's that's fair enough. Um, I think we we need to get you over for more evening games, don't we, Don? You do. Uh, you know, being in the states, uh, I I don't get very many matches in, but uh, when I do get over, which has been a while, sadly, uh, I have seen a few of the night matches. Um, I've taken my son to one. Uh, um, it was I'm pretty sure it was against QPR, and then I went to a Brentford one at their old stadium. Um, this is back when Matt Smith played, and he, if I recall, we were in the uh, behind the goal, and I was sitting with this other couple of Fulham people that I knew. Um, if I remember correctly, he did a great pass, and it was Tom who scored a blinder worldly across goals to, to score and, and win that, that match. But my favorite, uh, this has got to be uh, 2019, and we were playing QPR. And there's several reasons for this being my favorite match, okay? I've talked about this before, and pod's gone by. Um, number one, I came over, and I got to meet a lot of the Fulham Focus people, you know, that were in and are still in around the group back in that day so i got I remember to, i was the first i was the first one you saw right I, opened, I, I i just happened to open the door for you at the pub and just so, oh who's this guy behind me like, oh hey it's you i know you it was uh, it was a brilliant moment I, I, i'm actually i'm again i'm over there with my wife we're walking to the pub and we're walking down the street and this gentleman looks back and all of a sudden he, he says i know you and he like does this bear hug on me and my wife was either frightened or she was like scared <laughs> she was like oh shit don's getting mugged <laughs> he, he's gonna have his wallet nicked but at any rate 
we're in the pub. We, I meet a lot of the guys. We have a lot of great times, a lot of good drinks that night. We walked along the river down from the Hammy Smith Inn, I believe, right, Baldo? Yep. Uh, and then back then, you know, obviously the uh, newsstand was not, you know, being constructed. So we had to walk around. You couldn't walk along the river completely into the stadium. We walked around to the front. We all said our goodbyes, you know, went in to the game. I was sitting in uh, Johnny, H- Johnny Haynes' stand, uh, not far from uh, our good old boy, uh, our own Danny uh, and his family. And I was kind of towards the front or down by the pitch. I was like five rows back. And this is towards the, this is in the second half, towards middle of the uh, way through the second half. There is a, a corner kick to QPR. Uh, I'll try and do this story real quick. QPR did as a corner kick. Fulham, as we always know, they can fall into can't clear their lines, balls being jostled around. I think it fell to uh, Joe Bryan, who hooked it real bad, and it kind of came back at the, the Fulham kids players again. Tom got a hold of it, sent the ball flying forward, and this is back when AK-47 was still in the group and had a hellacious night, okay? He had already scored two goals that night for us, so we're two to one. QPR had been on the front foot, really starting to hammer us, the ball came back uh, to, I think it was Johansson, who lobbed it forward over the top, beating the last defender. So AK's running onto it, and the goalie come out panicking, kicks his ball 100 miles an hour into the stands directly at me. So this ball's coming at me, <laughs> and I'm panicking. You know, I was like, oh, crap. I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm gonna, it's going to hit me in the face, or I'm going to try and catch it, and I'm going to look like an idiot. So I don't know why I did this, but at the last minute, I punched the ball with both fists like a goalie, and it luckily went right back out onto the pitch, okay? So it looked like it was on purpose. And everybody around me jumped up and started cheering. And, you know, I looked back at Danny, and he was laughing and everything. And when I got home later, I was listening to the match as a replay. And when it got to that spot, uh, Gentleman Jim and Jamie were talking about it. And Jamie had said, uh, did you see that chap in the, uh, in, the, in the stands who headed the ball back in? He, he, he it was a hell of a nutter. You know, good for him. And, and they were laughing and everything. And I, I wanted to reach out to them, but I didn't know how at the time, you know, whatever. But I wanted to tell them, yeah, I, I didn't head it. I hit it with both fists. So. One of the best nights I've ever had, you know, uh, at Fulham, uh, especially under the lights. Fantastic. Mine's Hamburg. It was just special that night. Um, and of course, the funny one for me is the Fulham Spurs game, 31st of January, 2006. I was in the neutral end with my Spurs mate, Carlos Bocanegra. Our very own Collins John came on as a sub in that one. I've just seen looking that up. But Carlos Bocanegra in front of the, the Putney end scored a winner, 90 odd minute. Me and one other guy jumped up to celebrate in the entire of the Putney end. And the woman who was sitting next to um, behind us punched me straight in the balls. So I didn't I didn't mind it because I was watching the tears of thousands of Spurs fans at the time. So yeah, screw you lot. But I did save my favorite one from our <laughs> our submissions to last. Way back in the dark days of September 1997, it was a 2-0 win versus Plymouth under the lights at Craven Cottage. And the contributor for this one is Paul Moody, who just plainly says, I scored both goals. So, yeah, I think we've got to end on that. So good to hear from your moods. Right. This evening, lots 
of Happy Fulham fans. There's three of us here this evening. Interesting lineup, I think we can say. Great to see um, Tosin back. Um, Kearney and Paulinha sitting deep. It will be Pereira, William up front with the one and only Raul Jimenez leading the line. Um, and Castagna continuing in after Tete's appearance um, on the weekend. So interesting things happening. I was looking enviously at Hudson Adoy on the other team for a while because I really hoped we got him and then I forgot about him once we started scoring. Gents, how are your feelings coming into this one? Two positive performances. Baldo, what did you feel a couple hours ago? Um, when the team came out, I was, you know, a bit, it was a bit of a query, but, you know, I did wonder, oh, why is Tim Ream, you know, why is Tim Ream gone? You know, we can't surely have been you know, moved on from him there. But then as Morgan pointed out, three games in the space of a week, you probably want to give him uh, some rest. So I imagine that was probably the uh, thinking behind a lot of uh, the, the tweets they made everything um i was a bit confused or whatever by and it sort of came on when the um uh, when the game started playing was the fact that andreas Pereira was in the middle of the park because it was a 4-3-3 rather than the 4-2-3-1 that we've got with with Pereira in the number 10 role so i was a bit so with that i was a bit huh what's he trying with here but it seemed to work so yeah the lineup sort of took me by surprise a little bit but i mean for all we know this could be Marcus Silva might finally have stumbled onto might have, st have stumbled onto the winning formula with this lineup. So if this is the way going ahead, then by all means go with it. Yeah, I would agree. Tim Ream not starting kind of caught me for a second off guard, but then I just figured that's good man management. You know, he he's not a spring chicken when it comes to uh, you know footballing age. So having him skip this kind of game and then being ready for the weekend or anything. I thought that was great. Uh, I have no problem with that. And Tosin looked really good in this match, okay? He hadn't been playing in a while. To step in like that and play, I thought was fantastic and just shows that we've now got a little bit better depth back there than you know what we had here uh, just weeks ago, really, when we didn't even know if he was going to ever play for Fulham again. So for him to come back in the way he did was awesome, just absolutely awesome. Um, I agree. You know, Tom sitting back, it's not a bad thing. I'd, I'd rather him kind of playing more than number 10, but it worked. You know, it really worked tonight. And it allowed, you know, him to be creative, getting the ball out of the back. It allowed Pereira to kind of have a little free range in the middle. And I thought he had a great night. You know, everybody's been questioning his performances lately. I actually thought he did really, really well. I, if I'm not mistaken, he was a, the assist for several of the goals. Uh, if I, I, I'm pretty sure he was at least two. Yeah, that he, he was got Jimenez's first one and Kearney's. Yeah, so, I mean, good night for him. Good, good night. I did wonder, we switched or swapped, you know, uh, William with uh, uh, Iwobi. I, I, I kind of thought, well, Iwobi maybe would have been better on the other side, but hey, it, it worked. It did great. Iwobi did switch when Harry came on. I think this is kind of... I agree with Baldo. This could be the lineup that maybe becomes the core lineup for us for the rest of the season, barring whatever comes in in January kind of thing. So good night. My one thing about that, though, is if this does become the lineup, and this is a point that I've sort of made in the chat, and I think I've made it on the podcast, is if this is the lineup, then that means we're relying on Tom Kearney and we're relying on Willian, which 
as I've said before, I'm not totally comfortable with for the for the long term because that means we're relying on these guys when we should have you know, younger players who can build up. For, like I would like to see you know Harry Wilson be the main guy, but obviously he's had his struggles this season. Yeah, I'm not doubt. No, William's the better player. I'm not disputing that. But if we're constantly relying on William to get us out of things, then I worry what the team's going to look like because this, as I said in the group chat. This has given me flashbacks to 2013-14, constantly relying on the older players. And then when they start to drop off, who's there? That's why when we, when William left in the summer, I wasn't too, initially left in the summer, I wasn't too disappointed because I was thinking, right, we've got to start moving with the younger players. That's, you know, with Tim Ream uh, still there again. Again, he's doing good, but I want to see what the future looks like. So, you know, Diop and Bassi together, fine. Let's, or or, or Tosin and Diop, uh, Tosin and Bassett, yeah, whatever whatever the combination you want to have, keep that's fine. But if we're still relying on Tom Kearney to be our main creator and be the main guy still, whilst I get he's not he's not exactly thirty or thirty nine, he's not Williams' age, but it still just gives you a little bit of concern of what does the future look like once he starts to drop off a bit in his age. That's my one thing. I I completely understand where you're coming from. Uh, I'll say that right up front. The age of the overall age of the squad is a worry. And I don't want to go back down that road where we're relying on all these old players. Okay. So that just is a whole nother conversation to me about the summer window. You know, it's going to be really, really important to start bringing in some younger blood then. Okay. So that's another conversation. But for now, I think Tom and William are showing that they can be very vital, you know, uh, especially when we have three games in, in a week type thing. Now, there are lots of other players right now that can provide some of that creativity that have been doing very well. So I, I don't have a problem right now with the way we're set up. You know, Bobby slips in there. He's done very great as our utility player. Harry, he's had some hiccups, some sidesteps, but lately he's not been bad at all. He did a good job last week and this week, I thought. So there's a good player to be rotating in and out, him and Bobby. And then you throw in, um, oh gosh darn it, um, Who's the other guy that we've been running into? Uh, uh, my mind is drawing a blank. But my point is, we've got a decent midfield for rotating. So I don't think we're going to have to completely rely on Tom and William for everything. It's it's the worst time of year, this, this December, January time, even though we do have a little bit of a breakdown. The next few months are heavy. We've got cup commitments. We'll, we'll trust about that in a bit later as well but what is positive i think what we're all saying is we've got players coming back they're coming back in form and we're giving ourselves options to play but let's let's talk goals because we could be here a while if we do this um well he's first nice again um he he's he's looking like he's finding his place in the team now he's he's bagging these he's up to three i want to say it was it four now uh, on the season um he's looking good i've just clicked actually closed the tab that had that in that's three thank you um yeah three because he because he scored later in the night so yeah, yeah. his first so, goal was his second of the season and so on yeah yeah so there we go so that, that was looking good but we are going to just concentrate on the one and only raul jimenez for a moment because he has scored three goals in four games which is a pretty good return considering that's the same amount he scored in his last 47 and the brace tonight 
was his first in the Premier League since January 2020, those halcyon days before COVID, if you, if you can imagine that. So well done to him. It was great to see. We need to concentrate on the second one because it was sick, I think is what the, the kids say today. Baldo, do you want to be commentator for that if anyone hasn't seen it yet? Um, it just incredible. I think this. I wanted. To, I wanted to make this point. Basically, about thirty seconds after he scored that goal, I already knew what my <laughs> point was for the, for the point. And uh, no, screw it. I'll start with it. Basically, that is a player now. Now that has confidence. I think when you looked at what Jimenez was, the fact that you know the, the goal drive kept going on and on and on, and you just felt he just needs to have one goal to get his confidence back. You know, we've had problems with penalty takers. In the past, you know, Mitrovic was, you know, the biggest one. Um, if ever we get a penalty, give it to him, for instance, rather than you know, William took it against uh, Wolves, I believe it was. So, give no, just give him a chance to put the ball in the net. Then he obviously does against Villa. But the fact that he was able to take a goal like that and be confident enough to do that, that is what I'm more impressed with. Again, if he had just taken the ball on the edge of the box and just curled it in, that would have been fine. But the fact that he had the sense of mind and the confidence to pull off something like that go around the goalkeeper and then back heel it rather than take another touch and start it in which could have had another defender you know track back and get a block on the line or whatever the fact he had the confidence to do that that is why i think what i'm taking away from that more than ever is right he now i reckon now this could be you know this could be the start this could be the start of something because if he's playing like that and has the, again the confidence to pull off a move like that then what's you know what's going to happen whenever he gets a chance in the box next time? Rather, I, I think it was against Liverpool, but there may have been a couple of times where I've said he's been in a position, but he's passed the ball off. So that's a player lacking in confidence. Now that he's got that, I think we could start to see. Again, he's not going to replace he's not going to replace Mitrovic, at least not with the rate of goals again. But if he can start getting again just the odd one or two goal games, then we're going to see you know the floodgates open for him. So I think that's what I'm taking away from it is what you know what he did rather than how he did it he's playing with a smile on his face isn't he don he is and, and you know confidence is, is the greatest asset you know especially for any footballer but especially for a striker when they're in confidence you know or, or in full confidence they, they are like walking on a cloud at times some of the stuff they pull off some of the shots they get away you know it, it is incredible now i will say I, I don't want to be negative, but I'm going to be just slightly negative. <laughs> this was a different way, a slightly different way that Ryo was playing. So for me, the, the negative is we've been hounding, you know, not just me, other people here on Fulham Focus, for him to be playing more up top, not to be going quite so deep, not to be playing in other positions where you've got a winger and somebody coming off the right side or the left side, and he's running in the same space, but to be up top ready for those kind of balls. Okay. Uh, you know, to be that outlet. And I don't know if what changed, but he did that more this game. He was up top more for this game and in the box. And I think that's a key, especially for that third goal where it was a free kick, you know, Pereira puts the ball over the top. He chests it down was brave, uh, did a great job, pushed off of the defender, and, and then gets around the goalkeeper and scores. So I like this. I'm hoping we see him more up top and less dropping deep, you, you, if, if you can understand what I'm saying. 
yeah, he, he he's a player that feeds off direct balls going going through the middle. And I, I for me, I've said this on this pod a few times, we tend to be going out to the wings and getting lost a bit too much this year. I've got both of Raul's goals up here on, on Twitter. Both of them are balls through the middle that he just seizes through and and he's away. For me, less him scoring them, but it's like we've changed things up a little bit. Maybe that's the tactics against... It's his positioning. Yeah, but he's in the right place and we play the right ball to him, which which is positive. Balder? No, I think that's right. And again, when you're talking about Raul Jimenez, I'm assuming he's back to 100% full strength, but there is that element of... Right, we understand what Mitrovic was. You know, Mitrovic was a player that you could put the ball into the box, you know, from out wide, and he you'd feel confident of him, of him when he headed. I don't know if it's still just the aftermath of it, but I don't feel all that comfortable comfortable with him going up and competing with a header in the situation he is. Maybe there is still that, you know, mental last five percent of him that is just is hesitant for to go up and give it his all. When he goes for a header because of the injury, because of the injury he suffered and the you know the headgear that he has to wear, so whilst you know uh, Marcus Silver side and particularly the Fulham side he's had needs that guy that you can put the ball into the box for you know from out wide and win headers, maybe we've just sort of been too used to doing that and now we're finally starting to work out because all you know all three of his goals have been along the ground as it were. So if that's what we need to do to start adapting more to him and what he can do rather than just saying, oh, he'll just do the same as Mitrovic, then then that probably is the change that we probably need to see. And, if, and we saw it tonight. So maybe that will spark the fir- the change further on down the line. Yep. Let's talk about Alex Iwobi. Two for him tonight. Um, my cheat sheet from Sam says that's his first ever Premier League brace, and it's his 234th Premier League appearance. He's now scored as many goals this evening as he's done last season. So, yeah. Thanks, Everton. Um, but again, he's starting to find find his place. He's starting to make some really, really pleasant-looking runs as well. The ball does still seem to not want to stick to him at all. But he's looking looking like he's he's finding finding his feet, Don. I, I, again, I think he's another player who's getting his confidence. He's getting a few games consistent now. And... You could see it, like that beautiful move. He went through two, three Liverpool players, not to go back to that game, but he's out on the sideline. He does a beautiful move where he gets through these guys and he's off and running, okay? Uh, It's things like that. He tried it again tonight. That didn't quite work out, Uh, but it's his confidence. And he makes beautiful runs. He gets into the right places at the right time and and makes things happen. So I'm loving it. You know, I, I, long may he keep doing this uh, going forward because this is what we need in order to help create these goals and these chances, especially for Raul if he's going to be our guy up top. He needs those kind of people helping to create those chances that keep him pushed up and in the box or around the box. Baldo, any feelings on Alex? Uh, yeah, I think it just sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, having goals come from, from other areas. You know, I was not all that impressed when we signed Alex Iwobi. It was a case of just in summer, right, is this the is this the best we can do? Sort of thing, we're getting Alex away, right, if we're replacing Mitrovic, and, you know, but, or with the Mitrovic money, is Alex Iwobi the best we can do? But again, he's started to, you know, it's taken a bit of time, but he's started to grow. 
in thing and again you know as Dom was saying with that whole thing it's a it's a confidence thing and if we can get more players more confident in the game that they have then it will all just it will all just feed in because I'm pretty sure they they as a team Fulham are not as negative as as a lot of the fans are I'm pretty sure they're confident I don't I don't think anyone's mentioned relegation in in that in that dressing room for instance whereas you know a couple of us thought on the thing have said right we might sleepwalk into it I'm sure they're more confident than us so if we can, again just get more of them feeling a lot better about the game they play rather than having to church through with some of the results that we had then it's all it's all going to benefit and you know Alex Awobi in the past couple of weeks is you know one of the better examples of it yeah and someone else who's playing themselves into a bit of form is William first assist of the season for him tonight and also it was his 300th Premier League appearance this evening as well which is quite something first Brazilian to ever reach that up and he's a player that Another one who's starting to to get going again. Um, I have the fears of him because, and anyone who's near my age playing at this level, I have I have worries about. They're all considerably younger than me, dear listener. But even still, um, he's looking a little bit more confident. He's getting a lot of game time, which I think is my my only concern for him as well. Um, Don, what do you think about William? We'll sort of get on to looking forward in a minute, but. Um, as as the as the elder statements on tonight's pod, shall we talk about our elder statement, Brazilian? You know, first off, uh, hat off, round of applause for him for getting three hundred appearances. That that's awesome, uh, and I love that he's done it with with Fulham. Um, the second thing I will say about William, again, man management. You know, and I think that's going to be key. You know, him, Tom, and you know the likes of Tim Ream and stuff. It's going to be about man management, you know, uh, especially as games come quick and thick and, and fast and furious. I'll tell you what I like about William is he does a great job of dropping back and helping in the defense. If you watch, he is back there a lot, helping cover Robinson and different things and getting balls cleared or being able to do the quick one-two punch touches that gets them out of the uh out of the back and and you know on the front foot going forward so it's not just his ability to be in the attack and to create what i really like about him it's also the fact that he gets back and he helps with the defense so hats off that he is still doing this at you know who knows maybe he'll get another year but i doubt it but you know who knows who knows he, he wants another year <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Um, on the whole, of course, TC grabs himself a fifth. Just for those of you who are afflicted by the number, um, he says, quickly trying to find it, RXG for this evening uh, was 2.52. So, as always, XG proving itself to be completely full of crap. Moving swiftly on, Boulder, we've got a few games coming up which... Uh, Tricky, let's say the least. We got West Ham on Sunday. West Ham play tomorrow. So they've got one less evening's worth of recovery time. And then a really tricky one next Saturday when we head up to the Toon. I think these have been a vital three points tonight because it's going to be two tricky games coming up. I think they have. You know, you said we've started to get a little bit of a buffer. For those of you know us, you know, whether it be amongst the group chat or whether it be any Fulham fan out there that might be starting to think, oh, we could sleepwalk into a relegation battle. I think a game like this, if we are you know, against sides like West Ham and Newcastle, who 
you know, you might want to think of as you know our throwaway games because they are they are they are better. It's on paper and you know in the table and everything like that. Um, so if you want to throw you now have those throwaway games, fine, and say okay, we're going to lose these, then we needed to have points in the bag. Um, you know, looking ahead of it. So the fact that we're able to get you know a win like this again just gives us a little bit of extra extra breathing room. Um, for games where against West Ham and Newcastle, I'm not expecting us to pull off two wins. Maybe get a draw against West Ham would probably be the best case that I could uh, probably think of. So, you know, if we can just get something in the back, and again, just if we can just keep a, a good performance going, a bit like Liverpool. Again, if we go to West Ham and we lose three two, and it's a James Ward Prowse free kick in the 85th minute, the wind did. Fine. The, at least we were competitive. We didn't roll over. Same for Newcastle. Again, I'm not. I'm not feeling very confident about that one. But if we can put in a good performance, then yeah, then that's all I can really ask for. Especially when it comes to, you know, the uh, tragic games around around Christmas time when we're having games are coming thick and fast, and you want to have, and you want to have some points on the board there. So if we, you know, again, I'm not expecting results, but if we can get performances, then I'll take that as a positive. Don't. I'm going to try and be a little bit more positive here. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily a throwaway game. And the reason being is because West Ham are kind of all over the place right now with their results. If you go back, and I know this is going back in some people's minds too far, but let's start with October, okay? So October, they play Newcastle. Tough match for them. They, they end up tying 2-2. Then they go into playing Aston Villa, lose 4-1, which is Aston Villa is an oh-my-God team, so that's understandable. But then they go into playing Everton, and they lose 1-0 at home to Everton. They lost 1-0. So then they play uh, Arsenal, beat them 3-1. Brentford lose 3-2, and it just keeps going. You know, when they played Forest, they barely beat Forest 3-2. So, you know, they played Burnley. Again, they barely beat them 2-1. We're looking pretty good, I think. They, They tied Crystal Palace. So... Something's going on there. There's been a little bit of a hiccup, I think, with them. And I think there might be a chance for Fulham to at least get a point, you know, and, and get something out of the match. So that, that's my thought. I'm taking my wife on Sunday, so I think we're going to lose. <laughs> Tell me she's yeah. at least a Fulham fan. She, she enjoys it. Yeah, she, she, does, she okay. does enjoy going. She, her, she her, doesn't support any other club. No, well, she, she's 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 from Glasgow, so and, and my brother-in-law is hardcore Rangers. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably where she... Her, her feelings lie. Um, it all started so well. Her first ever game was Wembley. I thought she was a good luck charm. Mm. Oh, That's there you go. If she's listening to me, I'm going to get in trouble in a minute. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm in two minds. I, I, I think, I think with the way we're playing, and with the confidence they've got, we're at home. Extra twenty four hours worth of rest. Got a bit of depth in the squad. I'm not feeling terrible. Newcastle, which we'll talk about next week, of course, I think is a whole other thing. I'm still waiting to find out if I'm going to that one, which hopefully I will be. But we have other distractions, which we're just going to preview quickly. Everton in the Cup, that's in a couple of weeks' time, is going to be good. But Rotherham in the FA Cup, Boldo, I think we're of the opinion that that's rather nice. Thank you very much. I think it. I think it's the perfect tie because I think at this stage of the season, because I get the whole mantra of, you know, you're going to have to face the big team sometime. So you know, what difference does it make if you draw Man City in the third round or the quarterfinal? I, I sort of I understand that mantra, but I think at the start of it, for a club of our size, you want to have 
in the nicest possible type, you want to have a decently easy game or a game you think you can win easily so that you can rest a couple of players. Like I looked at you know, what we've done in the cup phases. I think there's a perfect time for um, uh, Don's favourite Canuck, as we like to call him. Uh, D- Def- Me? Uh, Defog- yeah, Defogger. <laughs> yes. Well, second favourite. I don't know. I don't know what he's in his mind. But I think games like that get Luke Harris started because, again, Rotherham are a de- are a decent are perfect game because you don't want to have because if you want to have a rest, yes, it's all nice playing, you know, Sutton or Horsham if they're still in, or you know, one of those non-league sides is fine. But if you're putting in the youngsters, are they getting that much of a challenge? Whereas if you put in Defogaroy and Luke Harris, then they're getting a challenge and they're getting games, but it's against a championship side. No, a, no, a deep, no, a decent no, level of competition. Especially if you think you maybe want to loan them out for next year, for instance. So I think a team like Rotherham, who are struggling, so we think we should be able to beat them. I mean, we were worried about Ipswich when they came up in the League Cup because they were flying at the they were flying at the top of the division. So now we've got a team at the bottom. You can have those rest plays. You can give Rodak a go and go instead of Burn Leonard. You can give Tom Kenny the week off. Give you no know, put Rodrigo Munez up front instead of Raul and Carlos Vinicius. And still feel confident, but it'd still be a challenge for them rather than just as much as we would like to have a rollover against a non-league side. But we should still be able to do that. And so I think Rotherham is probably the perfect game for us for a number of facets. So I, I'm delighted that we got them for the, in the third round. And just to call out that Rotherham is the filling in an Arsenal and Chelsea sandwich. So exactly, the- exactly, perfectly. So you think you got to go, you know, you got to go all guns blazing. Bad pun, unintended. All guns blazing against Arsenal, and then all guns blazing a competitive game against Chelsea. Then yeah, the perfect, as you say, the perfect sandwich is a team like Rotherham, where you can afford to rest a couple of players. So and and against and as I say, still give them a challenge. I, I also think. It's a good, I know our group was unhappy and a lot of people I was watching, uh, reading on social medias were unhappy that we got Rotham, you know, because they're like, oh, this is uninspiring, you know, I wish we'd have gotten blah, 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 and it could have been a fun away day or something like that. But here's the thing, if we can beat them, the further we get in all the cup competitions, okay, the better it looks for us in my eyes when it comes to recruiting players in the summer. Because they're going to look at that and they're going to say, oh, they did pretty damn good. They, they got this far. They got this far. They did this. I want to be in a Premier League team. This might be a decent place for me to land, you know, and I can really show out or show off and show my skills and make things happen. So I'm a big advocate. You play every game to win. I don't care who the opponent is. I want still the strongest side out. But I agree with Baldo. Make some rotations. You're sandwiched in between two very competitive, tough games. Make some good rotations, but let's keep going. This should be a winnable game. The further we get, the deeper we get, the better off it'll be. Amen. It's been an evening of positives, and I think that's a great place to start wrapping up. Baldo, Don, thank you so much for joining me on this very pleasant evening with five goals to the goods, XG being kicked in the what's-its once again, and Raul Jimenez walking away with a brace. And it's good. Gentlemen, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? No. Everybody's happy. It's good. They, they have an afternoon ahead of them to enjoy this. I'm going to go to bed. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We know you could be other places, but you're spending your time with us. We do appreciate that. 
please do get us in, get in touch on the socials if you're wanting anything in particular to be one of the favorites in focus in future because we like to sort of keep that going because it's bringing up some good memories for everybody so drop that into the comments until next week please do take care of yourselves i've been bony and this has been your fulham focus podcast fulham